Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And hi, I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? How can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart, with a capital A-R-T. Hey, Mary. <laughs> What's Hi. happening? Oh, it's good to see you, Joshua. It is so good to see you as well. So you had a big day today. Yeah, I had a big day. I, well, I think I did. Did I have a big day today? Well, didn't oh, you? I did a TV show today. Yeah. Yes. And it was great because it was a, a TV show on uh, News 13, a 30-minute show with Allison Walker about arts advocacy. And so um, I got to do it with uh, Mayor Dyer. Mm -hmm. And we actually were talking about when he came out and did our TV show. Did he remember? He did Yay. remember. And then he started telling the same story. <laughs> Oh, about when he was in high school yeah, football. Too. I, was, I love I that story. I just listened to it like it was the first time because it was great. Mm -hmm. But um, he has a, a really good friend who actually was on that football team with him who still does local theater here in Are town. Are you serious? So he's come to our shows a couple of times because his name is Alan Whitehead and he does shows with us. He's done some shows at Theater on the Edge. Um, but yeah, he was just reminding me of how important his high school theater teacher was and why he is so passionate about the arts and, and just real quickly for anyone who doesn't know when he was on the football team in order to play football they had to be in a play to experience working together and collaboratively and it turned out he liked it and he was yeah. in more plays yeah so yeah it was really cool to catch up with him but yeah this you know the arts advocacy advocacy conversation is so important right now because it, the the cuts were so dire it gives us a little bit of a platform nationally to and say, statewide help. Yes. yeah mm -hmm. to really really cry help so we've had some different sectors of our community really step up the last couple of months and say, how can we help? Really? Uh, some some uh, sectors of our community that don't always really uh, support the arts in a big way. So it's some what interesting things What do you think made happening. that different this time around because of how drastic the cuts were? Well, part of it is how drastic and how part of it is that it's just simply an embarrassment. I mean, when you're mm. the 48th lowest state in arts funding, nobody wants to say that about their state, right? Yes. So you have um, Republican and and business leaders saying we got to ch we got to change that. We can't oh, nice. we can't be forty eighth. Uh, but also, I think um, you know the, our legislators have really been hearing from us since this happened, and to show we've been telling the story better of how it's really truly impacting arts communities across the state. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's some just some neat stuff happening. So it was great that the government relations um, from Channel Thirteen said we want to do. A whole show on the importance of arts funding. Wonderful. And Flora Maria Garcia was Flora there. Flora Maria Garcia so was there. Yep. And a couple it. of senators. Nice. And uh, yeah, so it was really a good conversation. Wow. But good I think for you. Part Thank of it, you. you know, part of it is, and this is all of our message, is that we have to encourage our community to step up in this gap right mm -hmm. now, right? Like we don't want to be dependent. We're thankful for, but we don't want to be dependent on government funding. We want uh, the people who we who we live, work, and play with to see the value in what arts bring to our community and step up and help us with the funding and that and support and of that. And it can so. start just as simple as going to a production. Yeah, just absolutely. Just buying that ticket, two tickets to a play, to a concert, and you're helping. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, I think this is a wake-up call to the arts community because there are always going to be things, uh, you know, th there were multiple reasons why we were defunded in three categories and drastically cut in another. And part of that was that we just simply weren't a priority this this year. And there were things like school, the school shootings and, 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 and the hurricane relief efforts from Puerto yes. Rico. There were other things that just needed funding, more funding than normal. And so we have to be prepared for those things. You know, there are going to be times where the arts are just not going to be a priority. Understandable. When it comes to so when you say we have to be prepared, what does that mean? 
Well, we have to think ahead and we have to think forward and we have to look at other revenue streams than government funding that can sustain our organizations. And part of that is tapping into the business community uh, in a greater way. Part of that is really being able to tell our story in a more impactful way to donors and supporters. Can you give an example of what that means? Well, a lot of times when we think of, you know, it's easy for us because we are engaged in the arts community. So we know how important it is. But if I'm someone who lives and breathes and dies because of soccer, right? Like, I don't know, put a football or whatever. And I'm just not aware of what arts does. I don't even go to art shows. You don't always know what's happening off the stage, right? So we know that what happens on the stage is important. But what our organizations do, and the organization we're going to talk to today as well, is that we are in the school systems and we're working with kids. We're working with underserved populations. We're working with people who don't have access to the arts. And we're really creating a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. We're making a difference about the quality of life of who we are. And a creative city is an attractive city. And so it, and from, a, from an economic standpoint, from an innovation standpoint, educational, all of those mm -hmm. things. And we aren't good at telling that story. We're good at producing art. Right. We're not well, good at telling our story. Art is a story. Yeah. Every piece of art is a story, right? Sometimes artists aren't the best entrepreneurs. No. And as, as entrepreneurial, as an entrepreneurial society, the arts community has to step up just a little bit and say, here's why we matter. Not because we put on great shows and we like make feel good, but if you remove art from even the space we're in right now, <laughs> what does that world look like, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot more to it. And so we just have to get better at telling that story. And if we get better at telling that story, then we will raise more support from, you know, different sectors and from in unconventional ways so that when we aren't a priority in government funding another year that might come up, that we're ready for it. You know, that sounds like a good installation for Creative City. Well, immerse. Um, because to have an installation where it's a room or an event without art, mm. what that would look like. Yeah. Just to be stark and bleak, uh, whatever you could imagine. Well, art is about, it's about color and it's about graphic design and it's Life. about media and it's Connections. about all of those yeah. things. It's about the, your beautiful shirt you have on, Mary. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we don't think about art that way. We think about it as what do I just go and buy a ticket for and experience on that stage? And we mm. have to help people see that it's much bigger than that. It is. Yeah. Well, well said, sir. Thank you. Well, it sounds like this meeting inspired you today. Uh, it did inspire me. Yes. Well, I had to be ready for it because, you know, when you're sitting with the mayor, you don't you just don't make up stuff as you go. Right. <laughs> like so you want to you want to be well spoken. So hopefully we did that. I wish the listeners could have seen your face when you just said you can't just make up stuff. You can't like just it. make up stuff. I think people fact check when you're with the mayor. Um, oh, I love it. So tell us about this wonderful show that you experienced oh, yes. last weekend. Well, Mary. we had Steve Lane on. It was a week you were out promoting the arts and. Uh, Steve was the person that actually came up with the idea. He said he felt it was a divine calling to have this gospel meets opera, opera meets gospel type of connection because he felt that the passion was in both. And so we had uh, Denise Graves and B.B. Uh, Winans come in and perform with the choir from Antioch. And oh my goodness, it was it was beautiful. Mm. The sounds, you f for, it, it merged because really both of those genres are about the passion and the beautiful sounds and so it wasn't like opera and gospel it was just great music yeah and you just felt it in every cell in your body and it was just like being lifted into the air and playing it i love that gorgeous. and you said you went by yourself and I you did. said me myself and i had a great time at this concert <laughs> we really <right>? did <laughs> we did at the last minute jason was not feeling well and the few people that i called couldn't go and i went well 
come on, Mayor, we're going. I got uh, all dressed up, gussied up, and I went. <laughs> I love that. And it was at Calvary, which yes. we our orchestra gets to perform there, and it's a really great venue. The acoustics were fantastic. The acoustics are fantastic. And then it had the Bella Musica Orchestra with yes. Dr. Caldwell conducting, as well as the Antioch Missionary Baptist Church Mass Choir. Oh, and and they you said it. Denise was fabulous, yes, right? Yes, she really was. It, just her voice. And when she and Bibi actually did a couple of songs together at the mm-hmm. end, which were two two arts meeting but like i said earlier we were just chatting oh my goodness it, you didn't hear opera you didn't hear gospel you just heard some great voices and great music i love that well congratulations to everyone who is involved in gospel goes classical and hopefully when they come back here again we can continue to get the word out in a big way yes so we can have more people go and experience here, it here. awesome so mary we have a we have a great show today Excited. do we ever have a bad show mary i don't think we ever I did think, but, i mean when you're talking about the arts it's really it's really Hard to have a bad show. This is true. <laughs> so we have two wonderful ladies uh, talking us to us today. And this first guest, I tell you, she is a dynamite. <laughs> and we start our organizations about the same time and um, really doing some awesome work and being a, a role model uh, for women in, in arts leadership in our community. So Teresa Smith-Levin is the Chief Executive Director of Central Florida Vo- Vocal Arts. So welcome, Smith Teresa. Smith-Levin. Yes, yes Teresa Smith-Levin. And a new mommy. <laughs> yes. Yes, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Thank you. And then Julia Batman is the uh, Program Chair for Opera Light Opera. Orlando Light Opera. Orlando Light Opera. Opera. I would have said it again. I would have said it right if I wasn't saying it out loud. The good news <laughs> is if you just if you abbreviate it and say OLO, whether you were going to say opera or Orlando first, it's still OLO and That's then you're true. good. That's very <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> Teresa, tell us all about Central Florida Vocal Arts and the work that you're doing. Absolutely. Um, so Central Florida Vocal Arts was founded in 2012, sort of on a whim of mine without really thinking it all the way through what I was doing. And it has grown to be such a wonderful organization that encompasses Orlando Light Opera and now also Opera del Sol as our family of companies. Um, We are reaching out to new audiences and trying to get them excited about classical music and opera and reimagining what the future of vocal arts can be. Mm. And um, through that, we sort of have a three-step model that we follow by reaching young artists at a pivotal point in their development to try and help them um, to be inspired to study arts and become arts advocates of the future. And then to also help um, those emerging artist levels emerge on the Central Florida Vocal Arts main stage productions. And then that third tier with Orlando Light Opera to cultivate a young artist program there. And then also offer those professional performing productions with a full orchestra. Nice. Mm, wow. And why is it important for you to capture young hearts and minds for classical music? I mean, we know that's very much a part of the development, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the developmental stage. But why do you think it's it's important for elementary students? I think it's classical and, and, and also um, lots of different types of, and genres of music because I think students need to see them in the narrative of art. I think they need to see themselves represented historically in art and feel that they are a part of something. And mm. so I was listening when you were talking about funding and these other key issues that the state sort of had to focus on this year. And they absolutely are key issues. And they're also issues that can be in part resolved through arts education. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you and I both did a lot with the outreach for the Hurricane Maria, a lot with um, when it comes to helping children develop empathy mm-hmm. and feel a part of something. And I feel that when you do that, when you reach these kids, um, kids who are a part of something don't want to hurt other children. They don't want to hurt themselves. They feel valued. They feel recognized. And so beyond getting them excited about arts and the future of arts, 
I think that we need to reach them on a human level mm. to try and help them become the best actualized versions of themselves that they can be. And how do you think vocal arts does that? How do you think that your mission and what you're doing is helping students and kids realize their humanness? Uh, well, you know, we're lucky because we have a scholarship program that helps us to reach some youth that otherwise might not have these opportunities to be able to reach students who may be in schools that don't offer um, as much programming or as much opportunity as we might like them to have. I'm so lucky. I grew up in Winter Park. I went to Winter Park High School. I came through fabulous programs, but not every student has those same opportunities. We're so lucky in Orange County, too. I have to say Scott Evans does mm -hmm. a tremendous job with he that. He works very, very hard. 100% access. Fabulous, to fabulous, efforts, fabulous, yeah. fabulous. So uh, we're so lucky to be a part of that community, but reaching beyond that core right there and, and hitting some students that are coming from other counties that maybe don't have that same um, rigorous system. So that's, that's number one is reaching those kids who maybe don't come from a perfect situation. Mm. And I think when you have them perform, whether they become singers, they become performers in the future, Standing up in front of somebody and deciding that you were going to tell a story makes you more confident. Yes. Mm -hmm. It makes you more human. It challenges what you believe that you are capable of. And a student mm -hmm. who sees that I can do something that I didn't think I could do when it came to performing. Or I was really scared to do it and I, I overcame it. it. Anyway, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that student is also willing to do that in other aspects of life. Absolutely. And so the stage is just a place to start discussions about all different aspects of life. Um, when you go to a production, you see somebody tell a story that that mirrors your own experience. You feel like you're not alone, that mm -hmm. that I'm a part of something. I feel recognized. I feel heard and I can work through this and feel better. And I think we do that for a lot of children. Mm. Well, we're going to get to hear a little bit more about what you do for the children. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we have to go on break right now, but we'll be right back from the heart on Magic 107.7 FM. Welcome back to From the Heart on Magic 107.7 FM. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and today we're very happy to be speaking with Teresa Smith-Levin uh, and Julia Bateman. Welcome back, ladies. So we were just talking just a little while ago about the children, and I wanted to ask you a question about... Um, I, now it just went out of my... This does this every week. I'm like so happy. We're back in the show. What were we well, talking about? Because the introduction is a big deal. You got to get it right. You got to get the names right. Yes. You got to get the organization right. And, and we then have once to remind the listeners because maybe they just turned in. So they have to right. know what station and who we are. And now I have to remember what we were talking about. What? It's a lot. It's name. a lot, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> we feel you. Mary, what do you want to ask? You wanted to ask something about children. Yes. And about Teresa's new journey as a mom. And Yes, that was it. <laughs> we were talking about the children and we we're talking about their stage fright and we're talking about this and that but you are about to be a mom and so i'm wondering she is a mom she's a new mom well a new mom yeah and she's a well, new mom here oh my yeah, and last, last time, time i was, was here, here i was about to be a mom and yeah. now he lives on the other side of my abdominal wall out here in the world <laughs> that's what's missing <laughs> yes i miss him too i'm not gonna lie to you um it's it's interesting because i've always loved kids and and i've always known that i wanted to be a mom and um 
it, you know, it does change things. It does just change one aspect of who you are as a performer, director, producer. It changes all aspects. I will be teaching a voice lesson and will come across a song that I have taught before and I feel myself getting emotional because now it has such deeper meaning mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. it did before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just finished up my run of Save Me Dolly Parton, which was um, at the Orlando Fringe Festival. It was presented by Beth Marshall Presents. And um, I had toured that show in Indiana Fringe Festival when I was 36 weeks pregnant. So I was super mm-hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. It was in Indianapolis. And you would think that with all those hormones and everything I'm talking about then the show, I'm talking about my child, that I would, um, you know, get really emotional. And, and it was emotional. But the first time I went back and did it when we were rehearsing it with Beth, after I had him, I, I immediately started crying. Mm. And that's when I'm not flooded with 36-week hormones and I'm crying. <laughs> and it's because it is that different. Mm. You think you know until... You're holding that little human who you are responsible for for the rest of forever. There is nothing like it. There is no love like that. And the way you look at children, the way you look at how they become adults, who they grow to be, is completely changed by being a parent. And creating. You've Mm -hmm. created so many pieces and performances on stage, but now you created life. Mm -hmm. How do you see creation is different now? Mm -hmm. I think you have to look at it more purposefully. Things can't happen by accident. You have to you have to know who you are, what you want, where you're going and where you've been when it comes to creation and art and then also as a parent. Mm. So what do I value? What is the culture that I want our home to um, exude? What are the things that I think are important and what do I want to pass on to these young artists and to my son. And I am a big believer in consistency. So who I am here with you, Josh, Mary, and Julie, is who I want to be when I go home to my husband and my child. And it's who I want to be when I talk to my students. I want to be the exact same person all the time. And I think that consistency, that honesty, is a big part of what I want to teach on stage, that truthfulness. Authenticity. Yes. Mm. And to my son. Mm. I love that. Mary, you're... And different aspects of ourself are more present with different people sure certain people bring out your light some people bring out your intellect some your passions but still when you're authentically you it's real with that person and i think people sense that i Mm -hmm. think they sense that in art as well Mm. when you present what you believe in and you live your mission in your organization People see that and they appreciate that because you're passing on what is important to you. It's not you trying to cater to a different audience or whatever. And and that's one of the things I learned in this journey is you can't go chasing people to like your art. You need to know what you believe, present what you believe. And trust. Yes. And people will come because they recognize that. If you build it, they will, they will come. come. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Yes. That's all, that's, it feels like a really meaningful That's really book. good. I like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Teresa, tell us about um, some of the other things that you're doing when it comes to education and training. I know you have lots of cool projects yes. and collaborations. This was What's a great happening? year for us. We um, we got to have a partnership with Opera Orlando and Osceola County Schools. Mm-hmm. We did something that was called the Zarzuela Project, which actually was born in a meeting that um, you hosted, Josh, with mm-hmm. uh, the Multicultural Association. And um, we decided that we needed to bring Zarzuela back. And um, United Arts helped us with that. And so we ran all of the educational outreach programs. So every single high school in Osceola County participated in the program. Um, We went into every choral classroom and um, did master classes and shared with them repertoire. And again, it comes back to this idea of being a part of the narrative. I think in most music classrooms, because our background 
is mostly in in Western European music. Um, we don't do a lot of Spanish language programming, and we definitely don't talk about Spanish language opera. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be the experts on it, and we don't talk about it. We don't feel comfortable with it. How are we supposed to pass that on to students? And so getting a student who speaks Spanish at home and it is their first language excited about opera when they're not seeing any of that is a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. But if you share with them, no, you're a part of this story, and we have repertoire that represents your culture and represents you, and we want you to be a part of that, they get excited about it. Mm -hmm. They get excited about chorus, and guess what? Then they get excited to go to school, and they get excited about math class, and they're participating in things beyond just singing. This has such a, a broader ripple effect if you if you really reach these kids. Mm. Mm. Julie, how did you get involved in the organization? I just I wanted to do some more performing and found out about the show and I auditioned and I got in and um, I don't know I just opened up a lot. Awesome. Tell and us now what it's opened up for you. Just my confidence. We were talking about confidence and performing, being able to be on stage. Um, even for the first time, I mean, it's it's a new thing. It's the growth, um, the camaraderie that we had. It, it was just so much fun, and I just want to do it again and again. And so it, I think the fun overweighs the the fear for me now. Oh, the mm. fun overweighs the, the fear. fear. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a second quote of this. <laughs> yeah. It's a we great did. alliteration. Yeah. And the fact that she says now she just wants to do it again and again. Yeah. That's fun. That says it all. Right. That's wow. awesome. And now you've joined Teresa's rock star team. And you're, right? the, you're the program chair of Orlando Light Opera. Right. Congratulations. So what is your role in that? Well, we're we're getting it going. <laughs> you're, we are in the process of, yes. of getting that going. But you're giving insight, and and as a performer, you're you're talking about things that w- would be beneficial for other performers because this is Absolutely. for eighteen and up, right? Absolutely. So this is adults. Yes, we're hoping to nurture new talent, help, helping them to also become more confident and to um, just really experience the art and and help their their growth in the the career. So that what if helping. they want to do this but not are not sure if they can? Is there a place for them? Well, that's OLO. That's, you know, we're, we're bringing them in to try it and see how it goes. And well, I just want to reiterate that because some people think, well, I probably have to have already done it. I can keep a tune, but I only sing to the top 40. But if they're no. interested, just come. This orchestra, yeah, this, this organization is meant to help nurture new talent and help them to kind of experience it and see if that's mm-hmm. something they want to. So listeners, if you've with. ever thought about it, why not? Mary, have you ever sung some opera before? No, just <laughs> one <laughs> You should go do a program with Orlando Light Opera. I think they would let you We be could do involved. an improvised opera. Oh my oh God, we used to do that. Oh. That we would used be to do fun. That. Do you know that SAC Comedy Lab, I think, used to offer a class with that? I think Robin Jensen is also involved involved in doing a collaborative bit with them. I know that they have done an improvised opera before. So the, Seriously, the hope is still... Seriously, if you ever want to yes, think about it, we yes. talk about it. Don't that give up. Cool. Don't give up on your dreams. <laughs> it, one of the things that I think is so cool, I was having this conversation um, with a couple of different people, and, and it took me a while to sort of get my head wrapped around it. Like, we have Central Florida Vocal Arts, and we have Orlando Light Opera, and then we also have Opera Del Sol as our company of family. So how do these... Why have these three things, and how do they play together? And... I, I was working through that for a while and, and then it became clear to me it's because if you have three different things you can focus on different aspects to achieve one greater goal and achieve your theory of change and, and making a difference and so for Central Florida Vocal Arts we are focused primarily on reaching youth and and helping to train youth and providing that platform in the emerging artist level um, 
uh, Orlando Light Opera is, is a little bit more advanced. It's going to have a young artist cultivation, but particularly at the collegiate level and then with professionals and with full orchestra. And then Opera del Sol is also helping this sort of mission of modernizing opera and um, making opera sexy again. Because I, um, I hate to put this out there, but I am about to be 32 years old. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember coming home from grad school and wanting to produce shows that my friends wanted to go see, um, not just my singer friends but my friend friends, that that this was something that was fun and cool. And there wasn't a whole lot of that happening. And so Opera del Sol really helps us achieve that as well. Orlando Light Opera presents more established works, but in a way that is also more approachable. Like when we did Mary Widow last summer, which is where Julie got involved, we took the original German, we retranslated it into English, and then we set it in 1990 or early 2000 Silicon Valley. So no one had done Mary Widow like that. Mm. It was still this beautiful score. Sure. It was Lehar's music, but but now we were doing it in a way that people were like, oh, I get it. That's funny. You just made a Google joke. Yes. Well, that obviously wasn't in there before. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And instead of people feeling alienated and overwhelmed by opera, they feel invited to the party. We're not singing at them. We're inviting them to join with us in this experience. Mm. With Opera del Sol, what are some things that maybe are upcoming that you really feel like we'll accomplish this, that we'll make Absolutely. shows fun so, and accessible. Nicole Dupre, who is who is my right-hand girl, I just, I adore this woman. She is, um, if you call me a dynamo, you need to get to know Nicole a little bit better. <laughs> she is just a font of creativity and excitement, and I just love her. She's been an international makeup artist for many, many years, and um, from the backstage perspective of it started Opera del Sol. So not as a singer like myself, but as a makeup artist and more on the technical end of things. And um, she just uh, closed Mozart and Marie at the Orlando Fringe Festival. It was a completely sold out run. So wow. that means every show she did was completely wow, sold out. that's awesome. Nice. Um, and what we did was we took Mozart pieces and um, then they presented it with um, some of the burlesque, Lyra work, different things, and telling the story of um, Mozart and who he was through the perspective of Marie Antoinette. And so very fun and cool and festive. And so um, in November, they're also a part of the Music of the Night Masquerade we're producing in August. So the whole immersive interactive aspect that happens from the moment you walk in the door will be with Opera del Sol's influence there. And then in November, um, on November 11th, 1111, we will be doing Composing Humanity, which will be at the Dr. Phillips Center. That will be in the uh, Pew Theater. And it's going to be combining photography from two wonderful um, contemporary African-American photographers projected and set to the music of Puccini. Wow. Ah, very cool. Wow, wow. And, and opera is one of those uh, you know, genres that really takes so many disciplines of the arts Absolutely. and puts them all into one package, right? So you have the orchestral underscore, you have singing, you have acting, you have elaborate costumes mm -hmm. and makeup. And so it's interesting having someone, a part of your team that really understands the costuming and the makeup and all of that to help even elevate that even more for these emerging artists and give them a real experience when it comes to that, right? Absolutely. What Absolutely. are some other things for emerging artists that you hope to instill through your organization as kind of core values and maybe disciplines or the DNA of what an artist should, how they should represent themselves? It comes back to kind of what we were talking about before with like, what are your core values? What do you want people walking away with after they've worked with your organization? Um, one of the things that I am very passionate about, and it comes off of me just finishing a friend show that I acted. I did not sing, and my background is singing. I have two degrees in music, and mm -hmm. I just did an hour-long friend show of me talking on stage, which was absolutely terrifying. 
And I did that after taking um, acting lessons for a couple of years with Beth Marshall. And she said, this piece is really right for you. I think you're ready for this. And I was like, are you wow. sure? And she was like, yes, <laughs> do it. So we did. And it went really well. We were patrons pick. We sold out six of our eight shows. And um, it made me look at myself in a different way. And so one of the core values that I think we're bringing to the table when it comes to opera is really, really strong storytelling and acting. Mm-hmm. I think in, even in my training, that was overlooked. It, it wasn't something that we spent a lot of time on. I took one acting course in two degrees. Mm. Um, why? If, if what we want to do in opera is tell a story and connect with people, we need to be able to tell that story through acting to be realistic, to connect with these people. So I and think, to connect with what you're saying or yes, singing. Yes, to connect yourself mm-hmm. in order to connect with others. And so um, that's a big part of what I want people to walk away with emerging artists is that I need to act as well as I sing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's another thing. And then, um, you know, the value of the human experience in any work that you are doing, even let's say you're playing the villain, you're playing the bad guy, you need to be able to find that way to connect to this person that you are supposed to be representing on stage. And by delving into that exercise of connecting with somebody who maybe is not like you, you learn to connect with others. And Mm. so I think that that's really, really important to me. We have such a camaraderie in our organization. We want it to feel like family. And so being kind, supporting each other, telling stories, all of that. Awesome. Well, we're we're going to be connecting with our audience (laughs) listeners right when we come back. (laughs) What a perfect story. We'll be right back to hear more of this on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and we're very excited today to be talking to Teresa Smith-Levin and Julia Bateman, and we're talking all about opera today, and we've got some news coming up about what to expect for your next shows. Tell us what's up. Yeah, so we're super excited. Um, Orlando Light Opera and Opera del Sol and Space Coast Symphony are coming together to uh, present uh, Music of the Night Masquerade, and that Ooh. will be at the Orlando Repertory Theater and the Edith Bush Theater. Uh, that will be August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Two performances on Saturday, perhaps? Just one. Just the one? But we are doing a family day on Saturday, which, again, as a new mom and as a person who loves children, I'm super excited about because it's a way for kids to come to the opera and feel excited about it. So um, we're encouraging guests to wear masks and be very festive. In Is their it an earlier class. show on that Saturday? It's a 7.30. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not going to be a super long program. So by 9 o'clock, 9.30, you can get the kids home. They stayed up late because it's the weekend. <laughs> um, but uh, we're doing half-off student tickets that day. And then we're also going to have some activities in the lobby where kids are going to be involved with, like, making their own masks. And wow. Oh, yeah. Will that be prior to the show? Yes. And during intermission, too, yes. perhaps? Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. That'll be really, really fun. And um, That's with a live orchestra with Space Coast Symphony. Yes, with a 24-piece live orchestra, which wow. I'm super stoked about. And um, you have some great performers. Michael oh, Johns, yeah. Dr. Foster. Yes. Kid Cleto and Michelle Knight, Sarah Purser. So all really great singers. And Ashley Wilsey's doing your... Yes, I literally I just Ashley. saw Ashley an hour before I got here. We went nice. over to the rep and we're doing a projector test with her projections that she is designing. Hi, so Ashley. She's making sure fantastic. That that would work Hi, Ashley. You should come on and talk about your art. 
Yes, she's, yes, yes. She's stunning. And um, one of the reasons I, I really wanted her is, um, you know, when I went and saw Hunchback, when mm-hmm. you all did it. Yeah. First of all, I just love the show. Second mm-hmm. of all, I her sets that she projected were just stunning. And one of the things that I was sort of thinking before, and we didn't really get touch on this, but so oftentimes um, you see these institution opera companies that are having financial crisis and difficulty supporting their productions. And I think in large part it's because we lose focus on mm-hmm. what's really important, which is, number one, the story, two, beautiful singing. Let the sets and the costumes and the makeup and the hair and all that, let that follow. Mm-hmm. And that that's a great thing to accentuate what you're doing. But the first two are really what it's all about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this is such a way to simplify what we're doing by doing projected sets instead mm-hmm. of worried about building these giant things and how to move it about because we're a nomadic company. We don't have a home venue, which means anything that we decide to do needs to be easily transportable. So the music of the Night Masquerade, we're then going to take it the following weekend over to Vero and Brevard where um, Aaron, who is our um, conductor at Space Coast, where his audience is. So mm-hmm. we're presenting it here to our Orlando base and then over there to um, those beautiful. excited arts enthusiasts. But that means we have to create it in such a way that it is movable right. like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like think the projected. projected. Me I, too. The first time I saw it, I went, what a great idea. And it was fascinating. To s- and it was simple. Simple. Simple and beautiful. And it I want to do my house that way. I'm going to project my living room. Right. Like, right. Hey, we're in London this week. Let's project our whole house. Because <laughs> sets can actually be distracting if they're not done right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So like, you know, these projections really help put you in that place and that time. Mm-hmm. But they also help, sometimes help you focus even more on the performers. On what the story right. is. Yeah. Julie, have you ever been on a um, on a scary set? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and so you also have to think of it that way as a performer. Like I've been on sets where I'm like, I don't I don't feel good about this. Mm-hmm. With the projection, I don't need to worry about being on a second story in a tiny little crawl space. I'm I'm just standing in front of the projection. Right. And I feel much better about That's that. Right. right. Now, so did, was that a setup question? Did you know of a story that Julie might have? No, I just know as oh, a performer, okay. I'm sure she's she's probably been in the same kinds of situations that right. I have been in before where you're like, ah. Uh, well, yeah. you have Mary, right? You've been in places yes. where you're like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to hurt something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or be hurt. Or be right. hurt. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Teresa, you have, uh, of course, Julie, you have Nisha, who's part of your organization. Mm-hmm. You have Nicole. Mm-hmm. You brought on Ashley. This is like female empowerment in the arts, big time. We, so many talented women that you're giving opportunities to. And we talked a little bit about that in one of the breaks about how, you know, here in Central Florida, we should create an opportunity mm-hmm. to really um, give women an opportunity for, for you know, to be in leadership roles. Celebrate female arts leaders. It's, it's interesting because there's this myth going around that you can't be a mom and run a company and ha- be an actor and do all those things. And I disagree. Mm. I think if you are passionate about it all and it means enough to you to do it, you will figure out a way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about what's important to you. And all those things are important to me. So I'm figuring it out as I go along. And I think we need to celebrate the other women that are doing this. Um, and so support I, them. Yes, and support them because it is a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, you look at things differently after having a child and um, doing all that, how society sort of treats the pregnant woman, how they think of a person with kids and what their role is. And I just am, am all about breaking that up and, mm-hmm. and changing the mold when we audition for an opera. Typically, I have three to four women that I could put in any role because they're so good mm-hmm. and there's so many of them. And usually I have to go find an extra tenor for something because there are not <laughs> that many men who are who are performing at the level that the women are. And yet, 
this is not a slight, the vast majority of arts leadership is men. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that the talent pool is largely women, but the people who should run the talent pool is largely men. And I just think it should be equally represented. Mm-hmm. So if this many women are involved in it, then this many women should also be leading it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank and I, you. That well, let me just say, said. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I think there needs to be equal representation and I think it has to be intentional, right? Like Absolutely. in every sector of business, we're seeing that diversity come up, whether it be racial diversity or gender diversity mm-hmm. uh, or gender equality. And I think in the arts, that's definitely one of them from from an executive leadership to an artistic leadership. Um, I th- I th- but I think we're seeing a little bit of a movement here I think so too. in Central Florida. And I think, Teresa, you're kind of the catalyst for that and, Gosh, and, and moving that forward. I really do believe that. I mean, you've you've created opportunities through several companies now to give women the opportunity to lead. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. Have you been that way all your life? Uh, Yes. And it's interesting because one of the, you see those like Dove ads or those Pantene Pro V ads and they always strike a chord with me. Little girls are called bossy. I was called bossy that, but, but little boys are called leaders. And I, my parents, I won the parent lottery because (laughs) neither of my parents ever made me feel that the leadership that I wanted to exude that this was just who I was, was, was a flaw. It was, I think it's always who I was more so than a performer is I was a leader and I was a producer and, um, I loved performing, but that role as, as sort of the leader is, is really who I think I am at my core. Mm. Good for you. That's awesome. What other shows or events do you have coming up? You have the August 2nd through 4th Mm -hmm. and then what? Well, um, July 28th, we're a part of the wine walk that's going to be going on in College Park. We're going to be performing there with Opera del Sol. And then some of our kids from our summer institute will be performing there as well. Cool. Our summer programs start um, June 18th. I should remember that because that's my birthday. June 18th. Is there room for more kids to get involved? We do still have room. We only have about 10 spots left for the older students, but there are spots. Tell us the ages of the older students. The older students are 13 to 18. Nice. And then we do have a program for biddies, and they're um, from uh, 7 to 12. Nice. And the first week is Under the Sea Musically. And so that's a fusion of music from a a bunch of different shows, but um, Little Mermaid, Finding Nemo, The Descendants, King and I. And then the second week, we're doing um, The Wicked Wiz of Oz, which is actually a throwback to our first year of Summer Institute, and it combines the three stories of The Wiz Wicked and Wizard of Oz into one cohesive storyline. And so you're seeing this same story from all different perspectives, which, hello, that's a great thing that we should be teaching kids as well. Yes. So that's um, the it, last week of June. If listeners want more information, is there a website they can? Of course. You can uh, cflvocalarts.com, centralfloridavocalarts.com. They'll lead you to the same place. Say it one more time. Centralfloridavocalarts.com or CFL, as in Central Florida, vocalarts.com. And we are also on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, <laughs> all the other things and that you are supposed Google to be on. Them. Yep, yes. <laughs> yep, that's yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. So tell us, so July, August, and then you said November. Remind us of the November show. Yep, November is November 11th. We're also planning a gala for the end of September. We'll be doing a fundraising gala. Hopefully nice. a lot of people can come get excited about this. Do you know where that will this. be? It is not yet to be determined. Um, we have done it at a wonderful residence in Winter Park for the past few years. But now that we'll be doing sort of a double day, well, you're going to start with a brunch event and then go into a pajama gala. That is the creative stylings of Nicole Dupre. What do you mean a pajama gala? (laughs) All right. So all of these galas that you go to, (laughs) imagine that, but wear your pajamas. It's a pajama gala. How 
fun. I think people will really dig that. Exactly. So, well, and it, it, it kind of breaks all of those notions that you have about opera, right? Yeah. Like you get to go to a gala in your pajamas. I'd have to go <laughs> buy a new pair of pajamas. Exactly. <laughs> Just, you know, I did the same thing when I went to a royal viewing party that started at 730 in the morning. They said, oh, for the wedding? Yes. So I had, I, I had to go over to Nordstrom Rack and try and find something that was presentable was to wear in public. Ryan? But also that was with Ryan, right? It I'm was sure. with yeah. Ryan. Ryan is my new best friend. How do I not know? So it was with Ryan. Ryan is, um, we, I went to her event. So this is... Um, Ryan, she runs Florida Fashion Theater, and she did a beautiful event last weekend, a Grace Kelly fashion show at the Alphant mm. Inn, and a, a sort of um, her taking these iconic looks of Grace Kelly mm. and presenting them um, live in a fashion show. And then Nicole was also involved in that aspect, and Nicole wore the Grace Kelly wedding dress. Oh, mm. my and goodness. And so it was beautiful. It was lots of fun. I love her. But, yes, I had to go buy cute little things to wear to her house because I thought, <laughs> well, this just can't be worn to a royal wedding viewing party. So I did wear a tiara. That's awesome. Yes. Of course. Yes. So how can we donate and how can we volunteer? We're running out of time, so we want to make sure All of those are on the website as well. We always need um, volunteers. You can donate through the website. We do have the PayPal and all of those easy online ways to do that. Um, but, you know, more important than that is get involved, come to a show, volunteer. And what kind of volunteers do you need? You know, I, we, I will take just about anyone for anything. I really <laughs> will. If you are I will. taking tickets, building a set. If you want to be a part of this, please be a part of this. We're a family and we mm. welcome in just anyone who is excited about this as we are. So, you and know, whatever they want to get involved and they aren't sure how they would volunteer, just show up and then you'll figure out what their You're talent is. You're absolutely right. Is. I am very good. I think that that's one of my special skill set is I recognize what the talents are and I'll, I'll find a way to take who you are and, and make it exciting and be a part of this. So Where they'll enjoy it as much yeah. as you'll appreciate exactly. them being there. Exactly. And Everything Teresa, how can we audition? Um, so we just closed our first round of auditions for the Music of the Night Masquerade, but we're going to be needing to cast that Composing Humanity concert as well as our spring show, which will be Tale of Two Cities, the Jill Centoriello, which is never done. And it's a stunning score. It sounds a lot like Les Mis. If you like Les Mis, I mean, I and would come see this show. This information about the auditions also on your website? Also on our website. And I always tell people if they want to audition for us, please subscribe to our newsletter. Okay. It's the easiest way to get information about that. It's called The Eighth Note, and that also can be found on our website. Now, if someone's interested in auditioning for you, but and they like to sing, and they think they have a good voice, but maybe you've never done an opera, is this something? that they still sh could come and audition? Absolutely, because, you know, we do sort of break the mold in in what an opera singer might be. And mm. so we have traditional opera presentations, but we also do a lot of other stuff. Um, and so I love to see talented people um, who are excited about art, and I can appreciate all sorts of different uh, genres, different types of voices. So please just come sing for us. We also do a lot of outreach. And so I had a, a singer come out who wasn't quite right for this project, but I said to her, would you be interested in this? Like, I know that's not at all what we're casting right now, but I could see you doing this. Would you be interested? She's like, yeah. So just come out, just sing for us. Let's meet, let's chat, let's, let's get excited. You'll find about something together. for them to do if they want to be a part yes. of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what part of town do you, would this We're based in Winter Park. Okay. We have a wonderful relationship with the Women's Club of Winter Park as our um, yes. home venue that we do a lot of our rehearsals and auditioning at. And then um, we present some of our shows at the CFC Arts Black Box Theater. We're Aww. very excited about that. Yep. Um, I love Donald over there and obviously Josh. And then um, we're doing the fall show at the Edith Bush at the Orlando Rep and then Dr. Phillips Center. So mostly Central, Winter Park, and downtown. 
Awesome. Well, you guys are rocking it. So Thank listeners, you. please go out and support Central Florida Vocal Arts, Orlando Light Opera, and Opera del Sol. And you can find out more information on centralfloridavocalarts.com. Go and volunteer, go audition, go see a show, and support women in arts leadership. Woo, you're here. <laughs> what a treat having you both here today. Thank, thank you so you. much. You're thank a you, font of you. information opera. Thank you. <laughs> Mary, another great show. I loved another it. great organization. <laughs> we are truly a thriving and vibrant arts community. And we get to talk about it every single week. And I feel rich because of it. Thank you, <laughs> Listeners, Joshua. thank you for joining us. And we'll see yeah. you next week back here on Magic 107.7 FM from, from the, the heart. heart.